Well, there's that little jazzy jingle, and you know what that means. We're back for another episode of the In the Fire podcast. I am here burning up, getting real hot with Thomas and Peter. Uh, hello, guys. How are you doing today? I'm on fire. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, we're, we're burning up, and we're burning up for the Word of God. You know, I like to see this this podcast as a great ship setting sail into the sea of the Bible. And as such, each new episode is a burn voyage. Well, thank you for that, Thomas. Thank you. of how much I enjoyed that, that little pun. It does give us a good segue into today's episode. Um, and uh, let me ask you guys a question. If you're fire, what's the one thing that you fear the most? Wood. A fire extinguisher. I think you'd like wood. It'd probably be water. <laughs> water. Ding, ding, ding. Thank you. <laughs> and that's what we're talking about today as we continue our series of miracles. Thomas gave us that great little boat uh, pun so we're gonna build mm. off of that and head into the water here well fire though so we're still in the fire but today we're looking at a couple water miracles from jesus you know uh, the gospels if you're familiar with the bible if you went to sunday school you probably know what's coming um but we're gonna to hit on two more miracles of jesus as we cover more ground in our little series of jesus and miracles um these two are Jesus calming the storm and Jesus walking on the water. So two good ones today, two classic miracles. And uh, we're going to get a lot out of them, I think. And we're going to have a pretty good discussion today. Aren't we, guys? Oh, you know it. We better. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, today's scripture, if you're listening along and you want to follow along, or if you want to read it after, <clears throat> both of them are going to come out of the book of Matthew. The first one, Jesus calming the storm, is going to be Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. We'll read that and we'll discuss it, and then we'll move on to the second part of this episode, which will be Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 23. Um, I I should say, if you are listening to this episode and you have not listened to our last, what is it, four or five episodes now that we've been on this, Miracles series uh, i suggest that you go back and give those a listen they all more or less build off each other and they're kind of in chronological order um there have been four of them so far i just gave it a look so yes yes this is the fifth yeah feel free to look at those we jump around through different books of the gospel i think we probably looked at all the books by now with different miracles out of them um so it's good stuff and uh today it continues yeah. I don't know if we've looked at Matthew yet. Um, yeah, someone know. can fact check me on that. But <laughs> this, if we if we haven't, then we are covering all the bases with this episode. Then or we'll have covered all of the bases. And by bases, I mean Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mm. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, the, f- the classic four bases of baseball. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> of course. Today, we'll hope to hit a home run. 
All right. So, <laughs> Matthew chapter 8, if you're listening on, you want to flip there, go ahead. If not, we'll read it to you anyways, and I will ask Thomas to go ahead and read these verses to us out of Matthew 8, 23 to 27. All right. Jesus calms the storm. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there rose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. He was asleep, and they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O oh, oh, you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm, and the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and sea obey him? That is an excellent question there. And... Uh... Well, maybe one that we'll answer today as we discuss this. But first, I want to set up a little bit of context here. So um, this miracle actually takes place a little earlier in the story of Jesus' miracle than we talked about last week, which was the feeding of the, or two weeks ago, which is feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000. Um, now, that's that's not to say that it happened like years in advance because uh, all these miracles, we don't know the exact order they happen in. This one, I think we're sure happened before that because the gospels that give the story all give it before those two miracles. So, you know, it makes sense. But they all happen kind of in relatively close proximity to each other in time. Uh, this this one just happens to be a little bit before. So we're taking, we're, not going, we're going a little bit back in time from what we've talked about recently. Um, but it links up with the miracle that we're going to talk about next. Um, directly after the feeding of the 5,000 or four, one of two. <laughs> um, so this episode, I, I believe, based on my little research into it, happens right around the time of uh, the episode that we discussed two episodes ago when Jesus healed a paralyzed man and they lowered him through the roof. So this is happening right about then. Jesus' ministry is still kind of just getting started, but he has performed several miracles and, you know, he has the disciples, so they're starting to figure out what is going on. So I'll ask you guys then, as you read this miracle, now that we've set up a little bit of context, do you have any thoughts on these uh, verses? Hmm. I think, I don't know. I think it's just really, really cool <laughs> that <laughs> Jesus does this. <laughs> um, because uh, as much as our weathermen think they they know what's going on so <laughs> many times, they are so wrong. <laughs> and I think it's it's just weather's always been an unpredictable thing. And we were never able to control it. We're just able to adapt. And here is Jesus controlling the weather and controlling. So easily. Yeah. yeah. Just like by saying, like, <laughs> stop, be still. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think it, it just shows power and control over something that we've never been able to really fully understand, um, which is really cool. And just shows the divinity of Jesus. Yeah. 
I think that's well said. The divinity of Jesus is God attributes uh, on full display here. Uh, uh, another thing that really stands out to me is the contrast between uh, Jesus's peacefulness out on the boat, being able to sleep amid the storm, <laughs> uh, contrasted with the the disciples um, being very fearful and worrying tremendously. Um, you know, I think you know if you find if Jesus finds it peaceful enough to sleep, but the disciples don't. That says something about each of their uh, dispositions and faith. Um, so I think that this this miracle here points that out pretty well. Yeah, it certainly does. And, and I actually, I really like that that point, Thomas, that you raised. Actually, both of you, and they kind of work together here, because I think you know, in this world, there are so many things that are out of our control and perhaps nothing more than the weather. Uh, there is no, no possible way any of us can control the weather, you know? Um, and I think that I, like, say you're getting, like going on a vacation to the beach or you're going to an amusement park for a day or something or a baseball game. And like, what's the one thing you hope for and you have no control over is that it's good weather and that you can actually enjoy it. Cause it's, you know, there's bad weather kind of stinks. Um, so I, I don't know exactly where I'm going with that, but you know, I think it just shows for us how little control we have over some things and how much of a firm control Jesus has over it and so easily has over it. So, you know, he has no reason to, to worry or be concerned, even if we do. And I think that's a little bit, of a comfort. Yeah, I think that's such a clear example of something in this world that affects us so much, but <laughs> no matter what we do, we can't do anything about the weather. It's, <laughs> we can only hope for the best, like you said, when you look at um, what the weather might be like at the beach when you're there or um, anytime you're going out to a game um, or hanging out with friends, etc. <laughs> It's it's a terrible feeling when you have all that planned and then it's cold and windy and especially <laughs> rainy. Um, but it's just completely out of our control. And I think nothing, um, or I, maybe not nothing, but I think the weather is just such a clear example of something that um, impacts us so much, so, so much, but that we really can't can't choose or impact at all indeed yeah so it's a good frame for this miracle i guess for things being out of our control for sure and and even more to that point actually is something that i had uh, noticed that i was reading up on these i mean it's not a long portion of scripture here but there's a lot to it and one thing that I read um, that I hadn't really thought about was that a lot of these disciples are fishermen and this is the sea of Galilee. Like this is their home. This is, they're used to this. And apparently the sea of Galilee was, was known for some pretty bad storms. And so you'd have to think that going out into the sea, they'd be prepared and they would have encountered something like this, before. like they would have encountered a storm before out there. Cause this is their job. They go out there and they fish every day. Mm. Uh, and they're probably out there at night sometimes. And, you know, a storm comes and, and things get pretty rough, but 
so I, I think the fact that they are so terrified at this speaks to how horrible this storm was. And you look at verse 24, it says, suddenly a great tempest, like it just popped up all of a sudden. And, you know, to, to throw off and surprise and scare a group of men who is always out there fishing and always prepared for this kind of weather, I think it, it shows the magnitude of what was happening. And that contrasts even more than with Jesus's calm in the situation. He's, he knows that he has control over it. Um, but, you know, the, they're just so scared that it, I think it just shows the, the greatness of the storm. I even saw somewhere, actually, that some people think that this storm was brought on by Satan. Um, I, I don't know what the mm. theological fo- footing is for that. Maybe it's just that the storm <laughs> was so great and so sudden, but mm-hmm. the theory being um, Satan, who, you know, has control in this world to to an extent, um, I think that what I saw was, you know, he saw his chance with Jesus and all the disciples out in the middle of this sea. And he thought, well, maybe I can sink them. <laughs> now, I don't know. Again, I don't know if that has any solid ground, but um, that was interesting to see. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, uh, if, we, if Satan succeeded in doing that, I mean, that's obviously you wipe out <laughs> Jesus, but you also wipe out his disciples too. It would be yeah. like, uh, like the designated survivor, for example, when everyone's <laughs> in the Capitol building, if if it were to explode or whatever, then you lose your top politicians. I don't know if that's a, a great comparison, but that's what, <laughs> that's, that's what it made me think of. Uh, it was such a, a disastrous effect. But that gives me, or brings me back to a theme that we've talked about in the past, um, and that what enemy means for evil the lord uses for good and here you see Mm -hmm. a storm that's evil it's scary um whether it's directly you can see it's used for good in the end um there's a great lesson that can be taken from this and you see the disciples marvel at jesus calming the sea um and realizing that this is this is god yeah Mm -hmm. Actually, I think so. one of the, the big pieces of proof for that theory that, that we just talked about is in verse 26, when Jesus, what says he arose and rebukes, um, and the, the idea of rebuke, like it, it, there's a connotation of him fighting off some sort of evil or, mm. you know, rebuking some sort of evil, evil rather than just standing up and quelling the weather, um, which of course he does, but the idea of him rebuking the weather is a little more strong. So I think that just got some, some people thinking that maybe there was a little bit more of a spiritual battle to this as well. Mm. Um, So it's kind of an interesting thought more than anything. Yeah, it is. Most definitely. Yeah. Rebuke was one of the, probably the word that stood out to me most in this, in these verses. Um, and he rebukes the circumstances surrounding them. He doesn't, he obviously asks the disciples, why are you fearful of your little faith? But he doesn't rebuke them by asking, uh, right. by asking them that. He rebukes the circumstances. Um, which I think is pretty cool. You know, in anyone's life, you know, Jesus is there to rebuke your circumstances. Um, he obviously is wondering why the disciples are doubting, but um, he will show them that there's no reason to doubt because God is in control of even the 
um, most scary or dire or out of control events. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that kind of makes me think. When he said, what's in them and says, why are you fearful of you of little faith? I feel like this is a situation where they're justified in their fear. <laughs> um, but I think that also makes me, leads me to believe that maybe like in life when, even when we think we're justified in our fear, that's no have faith in, you know, being saved from whatever situation we're in, being rescued from that situation. And I, I don't blame these disciples at all because up to this point, I'm sure they had never seen Jesus do something like this before. You know, they'd seen him cleanse a leper and uh, heal some people, but this was something entirely new. So like a lot of times I can't, they're, they're human. I can't blame them for being scared. Mm -hmm. um, I think that applies to us because even in situations where, you know, it's so natural and you can really justify whatever you're feeling, whatever feelings you're feeling, fear or, or, um, you know, anything that goes along those lines, I think it's, that's no reason to not show faith. And maybe that, that idea wasn't on their minds. The idea that faith can help me in this, in this circumstance was not what they were thinking, but maybe Jesus here saying, Hey, have faith because I can help you in any circumstance, even when you know, you're in the middle of the sea in a huge storm. Um, I feel like if I was in a boat in the middle of the ocean, that's going crazy and it's about to sink this you know the first thing on my mind would just be pure fear more than anything else so mm -hmm. um, that's a good lesson to learn there mm. well you guys have any more thoughts on these verses um Actually, I have a couple. I think um, at first one, you know, you read that Judas is asleep in the middle of a giant storm. Um, at first, I was like, well, that's kind of <laughs> in its own way a miracle to be able to stay asleep during the storm. <laughs> but I think it's in a way, it's kind of the opposite. You know, it shows Judas's humanity. He's worn out. Uh, as we'll see in the next set of verses later, he's also worn out there, uh, <laughs> worn out from probably uh you know speaking to the multitudes healing them might be overwhelmed a little bit uh he's probably on a a tight schedule or a, a long schedule for this tour of miracles and preaching that he's on so um maybe he's just so tired that he's and that's why he sleeps through the storm um and yeah i think that's a common theme through what we see in these next ones and then going back to that that last point you made um I think the it's so natural and natural for anyone when they're in a, uh, let's use a storm, for example, a storm, whether that's physical or metaphorical, a storm in their life, it's natural to have negative thoughts and fears first. Those are the, I think, the things that cross our mind naturally first. Um, but I think what they see when they see Jesus calm the storm is they really recognize that this is uh, God who is in control. Um, I was pulling up a little article by David Mathis on desiring God. And uh, it bring, he brings back some verses from the Psalms in which, you know, these 
David or whoever else wrote these psalms that um, are here, they they know who is in control of the seat. I mean, they know it's God. And they heard the last Old Testament that say that. Um, and in these verses in Psalms, I'll just point them out real quick. It's Psalm 65, 7. Uh, who, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples. Psalm 89, 9. You rule the raging of the sea when its waves rise. You still them. Uh, Psalm 107, 29. He made the storm be still and the waves of the sea were hushed. So they obviously know for people who Going back to the Old Testament, people who believe in God, uh, they believe that Jesus, or that believe you know that God created heavens and the earth and is in control and has dominion over earth and uh, and the weather included. Uh, but here they they really see that Jesus has this power Himself. So not only uh, is it a miracle that He comes and sees, but I think what hits them the most through this is that they see uh, again that. Jesus is Yahweh. He is in control, um, which I think is really cool. It is, and I think that's probably the biggest takeaway of the verses. And I had a couple notes to add on here before we we move along. The first one relates to the first thing you said, which was Jesus asleep. And I think it actually shows the fullness of both his humanity and his deity, um, as you mentioned. As a as a fully human man, he would have needed rest, especially after everything that he's been doing. This is I mean, he's wandering around. He's, you know, teaching all day, every day. He's performing miracles. He's going to get tired. Uh, so I think he was probably very tired and he fell asleep. But at the same time, even if you're that tired and a human being is that tired, I think it's going to be impossible to sleep in a boat that's rocking back and forth and splashing you with waves and people screaming about you. So I think it also shows that, you know, to some sort of spiritual heavenly rest that Jesus needs, I, this is some way of him connecting back to his father in heaven. Um, and it's just him getting that rest desires and that he needs to get. Um, so I think it, it goes to both of those. And then I think the second thing I was going to say real quick, just a Charles Spurgeon quote you notice in verses 26 and 27 when jesus gets up the first thing he does is talk to his disciples why are you fearful oh you of little faith and then he rebukes the storm and he does it and makes a point of mentioning it in that order and spurgeon says he spoke to the men first for they were the most difficult to deal with wind and sea can be rebuked afterwards and i think that goes to a lot of the miracles we've been discussing where jesus's purpose here and performing these miracles and not necessarily to, you know, show off the physical acts of the miracles as much as it is to reach the hearts of uh, the people at this time. So, you know, I think that goes to that point. And then it also shows, Peter, as you were saying, like the ease in which he can calm the storm and the sea. It's just <laughs> he knows he can do it in an instant. So he he holds that off until he can speak to his disciples first. Mm -hmm. yeah i really like that um yeah good stuff all right shall we move on to part two of this episode i think we shall cool well peter since thomas read the last one i'm gonna have you read these verses 
Matthew 14, verses 22 to 33. All right. <laughs> Happily. Um, all right. Matthew 14, 22. He got into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost, and they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come, come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hands and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. There we have it. Another classic story. And uh, Peter, I'm sure you enjoy that one. That is, of course, your namesake. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it while while I'm walking on the water. <laughs> yes, <laughs> in that in that moment. <laughs> um, so, real brief context to this miracle that happens. This happens immediately after Jesus feeds the five thousand, and you see verse twenty-two here starts with immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. So, this is right on the heels of that. This is that that night um, after Jesus feeds the five thousand. So the disciples are off on the boat. And Jesus, as we read, goes by himself up to pray. And again, a time where he needed kind of this spiritual connection to his father in heaven, I think. So uh, what are your takeaways here? Kind of similar uh, story. Sea of Galilee, you know, big storm on the water, um, but different miracle. Yeah, I think what stands out to me is... There are a couple of things that A are common with the previous miracle and then B are common with some other miracles we've looked at. Uh, the previous miracle being it starts off again, like you said, Justin, with Jesus resting. Um, and then he needs he needs some solitude uh, to recharge, to reconnect with God, because uh, he's doing some awfully challenging work. <laughs> uh, so he needs that. That's how it starts. And then uh, a couple more themes that we see common throughout the miracles are evident here. One, the question, are you of little faith? Why do you doubt? Um, and then at the end, truly, you are the Son of God. Uh, it ends in a similar way to all the miracles. So you see <laughs> that there's really no reason to doubt. But again, there is doubt. I think that shows, you know, we're all human. It's natural to, to think those thoughts. Uh, but again, I think what we'll see here is actually, you know, having little faith is better than having no faith. Um, yeah, those are my, my quick takeaways from that miracle. Nice. Yeah, I'd pretty much echo everything Peter said. Um, but I've always kind of found it funny. Uh, Jesus is like, all right, guys, go, go get on the boat. And then, 
like as soon as he's done like in solitude and he's like, I'm gonna go back to the disciples. He just like walks on the water there. He's just like, eh, I can I can reach him. <laughs> he's just like, I just kinda imagine him like walking up and him viewing from like thirty feet away, being like, Hey guys, what's up? And they're like, Ah, here goes. <laughs> Um, cause it's, you shouldn't, you shouldn't see somebody walking on the water. And... <laughs> no, you should not. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I don't know, Peter has always, like, stood out in this, this passage to me. I mean, not only because, you know, he's, like, the only one mentioned by name, but also just, he's like, you know what? Like, if you are Jesus, like, I can walk to you. And, and then he does it. And then even though he's walked all the way to Jesus, he still had, like doubts and lacks faith mm-hmm. and then falls in, um, which I think is kind of how, I don't know, a lot of people, a lot of us can kind of go through our own Christian walk. Um, and no matter how, like, how much we know that God is, has been active in our, in our past life, and sometimes it, we just get blinded by the, the fear of the present and we lose sight of Jesus and we lose sight of the one allowing us to walk and then we sink. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Jesus, even when he, when he sank, Jesus was right there. He pulled them out of it. Yeah. I think that's, that's the major takeaway from, from this story. And that's really the purpose of, I think it being included in the gospels is that whole idea with faith and, and keeping your eyes on Jesus. And I'll have more on that later to discuss um, plenty to say on that, I think. Uh, But uh, (laughs) I think you guys both mentioned, you know, Jesus kind of letting the disciples go out into this, into the sea and him staying back. I wonder if he, he knew what was coming. I mean, obviously uh, he had, you know, he knew what was going to happen this night. Um, (laughs) But I, I see it kind of as him going up to the mountaintop and praying. And then I wonder how long he stayed up there and knew the storm was out there before <laughs> he was kind of like, eh, I should probably head out to him now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he just lets him get tossed about and then decides, you know, may as well head on out there at this point. I've made him wait long enough. Um, apparently it was between three and 6 a.m. that this happened. So. Uh, they're out there on their own for a little bit the fourth watch lines up as the fourth watch yes Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, this actually kind of reminds me of or made me think of of an example I have no idea um, if this is how true this is because I've never experienced it or felt it myself but uh, I'd imagine it's sort of like a parent um, with a little kid who's obviously taking up a lot of their time and energy and the babysitter comes, they're like, okay, time to, time to get some rest and some, a break from, uh, the, the child. Um, and like, they're finally looking forward to a, a night, a night of peace. Um, and then, you know, they're sending off the kids to the babysitter. They're having the night of peace, but then they just really miss the kids still. And they, at, towards the end of the time, they can't wait to come back to him, to the kid. Um, and so I think, uh, again, I have 
no personal experience to speak from on that. That's just from what I gather from things <laughs> I've seen in my life. Um, I imagine it's sort of the same way. You know, Jesus, he needs his rest, but he also loves loves the disciples uh, and cares for them and doesn't want them to be uh, in too dangerous of conditions. So he walks out on the water to get them. Um, so that's, just, that's something that made me think of. I think that's a cool image. Hmm. Yeah. Are you saying that the storm is the babysitter? <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to look at it. <laughs> I would, I would, I would say it's up for interpretation. There might not be a one-to-one analogy, but um, who knows? Maybe, maybe there are some babysitters <laughs> who are like that. <laughs> Preferably. Hopefully not. But, um. Yeah, no, I, 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 I like that kind of that image of like Jesus longing to be back with his with his disciples and with his children. Because um, I definitely think that he did, but also he, it shows kind of the importance of solitude and alone time and prayer with God as well. Yeah, yeah. So. Jesus is always a good example of that. Um, and, you know, I think you guys raise a good point. I think Jesus is, you know, he's always, always looking out for us. Uh, you know, occasionally he might test us and let us go out into the sea on a little boat and, you know, we're going to see what happens out there. We're going to see what life throws at us and, you know, what comes our way if there's a storm that comes our way. And that's when we're kind of put to the test, but I think there's always, always good hope to know you read these stories and you read what happens here and you know that Jesus is always looking out for you. He might be up on the mountain in prayer, but he's going to come down there and he's not going to let you perish. He's not going to let you, you know, die among your circumstances, at least not in, in this sense, but um, come back and he's going to look out for your good and, and come in to protect you. So, I think that's it's a good point. And the same thing happens in the last miracle we read in the, the calming of the sea. He's asleep. You know, he's right now life is throwing things at, at you and you're going to have to deal with those things. But he's always going to be there to wake up. And, uh, he knows what's going on. So don't worry Indeed. too much. I, um, I read this article for RA class. Um last semester and it's called um solitude the community to ministry um and i don't know you just kind of you see that transition much like just throughout a lot of like different interactions in the bible um but i also kind of see that here where jesus is alone on the mountain and then he goes to the disciples, and then as he's walking on the water, he ministers to Peter and the disciples. Mm. Um, and so it's just kind of cool to see that that form here as well. And yeah, you guys should keep an eye out for solitude, community, and ministry as you continue to go through the Bible. Yeah. Um, I'm also going to email that to both of you so you can read Please it if do. you want. Yeah, that'll be great. I will give it a read. And uh, actually, that's a good transition. Let's get into 
kind of that last the ministry part of it. So we haven't talked a ton about it. Thomas raised it. So I want to get back to it. The interaction between Peter and Jesus. I think that's the big meat of this miracle. It's the, the biggest things that we can take away come from that. Um, and for me, it kind of starts, you know, maybe this is a, a question to raise. I don't know. But um, when Jesus shows up and Jesus says, don't worry, it is I. And Peter says, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Do you guys look at that as like testing Jesus or more of a sign of faith? Or maybe both, because um, I think it could go either way. And I think ultimately Peter has faith here, because he's going to take a step out of that boat. Um, but in a sense, I feel like it's almost like it, a test, which I don't think is a bad thing, not in this context. I think there are certain, you know, putting God, putting Jesus to the test where you, you take it too far. But I think there's also nothing wrong with, you know, asking Jesus for things because you know that he can do those things. And if he doesn't, he doesn't, but if he does, he does. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't know. It's, I think that was, that's a question that came to mind for me, whether this was a test from Peter to Jesus or whether it was just a statement of his faith, which he then follows through on. And I don't know. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the first initial thoughts that I have in reading this verse is it reminded me of Satan in the wilderness challenging Jesus to perform a miracle. Um, mm. It brought callbacks in that. Um, and obviously Jesus didn't oblige. And I think it comes, he didn't oblige then when Satan was challenging and testing him. Uh, but here he does. Um, and I think it comes down to the intentions of, uh, or the heart of the person who's challenging or asking God. Um, and here, I think with Peter, you see that he wants to come to Jesus. Um, the verse is, uh, hold on, is it? Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He has a thirst to come to Jesus. Um, and amid a dangerous storm where he may drown, if he can't walk on the water, he's willing to take that sacrifice and that step in order to join Jesus. Uh, and so I think, you know, he, he believes in Jesus' name and that in Jesus' name has the power, uh, that he has the power in Jesus' name to do miraculous things. Uh, but he he wants to test Jesus or challenge Jesus because he can't do it himself. Um, and I think he, he's starting to recognize the full power at this point in his life of Jesus. And so I think it really, in contrast to Satan challenging Jesus, it comes down to, you know, what's the intention? What's the heart? of the matter. And I think Peter has a heart that wants to, wants to come to Jesus. Peter is flawed, of course, as we see, and he's not perfect, but um, I think that's, that's what it comes down to. Mm. I, I like that. I like that a lot, Peter. Mm -hmm. um, I, because it's not like Peter was like mocking Jesus or like getting Jesus to like do something for Jesus's gain but it was to do something for for Peter. It was like, hey, if I like he wanted Jesus to be there. He was like, let me walk on the water to you. Uh, so yeah, I like that a lot, man. As do I. As do I. Uh, and more on this little section here, uh, I think 
again, this is what Thomas brought up at the start in his big takeaway. Um, the the biggest thing that we get from this, I mean, you, you look after after Jesus Peter asks him this and Jesus says, Come and now he walks on the water. How cool would that be? Um, but the more he goes, the more maybe he starts to think in his mind, like, how is this possible? How am I actually walking on this, this stormy water? And the second that he starts to kind of doubt and he, you know, he takes his eyes off of Jesus, he sinks until mm-hmm. Jesus stretches out his hand and saves him. Um, and I want, I want to go ahead and bring in a little, a few verses from Philippians that Paul writes his as I was reading this miracle, this came to mind. Philippians 3, 12 through 14, Paul says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Um, I think couple points Paul kind of writes about this kind of thing the idea of like pressing on towards the prize we're running a race with the idea of the finish line as your one destination and the one thing you should be focusing on and I think that as Paul puts it perfect analogy for the Christian life the life of a believer um, a life of faith where we are always no matter what it's like you're running a race. And if you're running a race and you want to win the race, you have to focus on the end goal, on the finish line, on that prize at the end. And that prize ultimately for us is Jesus. And the second that say you're running the race and you take your eyes off the finish line, well, what's going to happen? You're going to slow down. You're going to go off to the side. You might take a wrong, a wrong turn <laughs> and you're going to get off course. And then, you know, the race is thrown off until you get back on course and go. But if you keep your eyes on the finish line and you press on towards it uh, in faith and steadfastness, I think you can overcome everything that's around you just by keeping that focus strong and and knowing the center of your life and what you're working towards. And I think that applies here because, you know, Peter is is the same way in this section. He gets off the boat full of faith, likely, He's walking on the water. He's doing great. His eyes are on Jesus. And then in his mind, things start swirling. There's this huge storm. What, what happens if I sink? What happens if this is just, you know, a ghost who's, who's out there and somehow I'm walking on water and, and he starts to think all those things. He starts to doubt. He takes his eyes off the finish line and he sinks until Jesus puts his hand out and, and catches him, um, which is a great picture to see there in verse 31 um, when Jesus does that. But I think that's, it's a, it's a good analogy uh, for life in general. And you see it in what Paul writes and you see it in what in the gospel and where this story is told. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. It's, it's so simple, really. Um, this image of, keeping your eyes on Jesus and what happens when you're pulled away by the distractions of the circumstances around you. Um, because, you know, we're human, we do falter. Uh, but it's so simple that the task to, to get there and to not be pulled away by the circumstances, you just keep your eyes on Jesus because he can 
get you through it. And I think, you know, this model here from the ideal of keeping your eyes on Jesus and what we should strive for to Peter falling, uh, it's a very candid model, very real model for uh, humans following Jesus. We're imperfect. You know, we're going to take our eyes off the true and sure source of safety in times of great difficulty. Uh, it's, it's probably going to happen. We might doubt ourselves or doubt the circumstances. Or we're going to get through this. Um, and Peter does this, and that's what caused him to fall in the water. And it's not a great feeling. Uh, when you give in to those questions and doubts, certainly Peter probably didn't feel great falling into the water after walking on the water um, when he took his eyes off Jesus. But we should also never give up on calling out to God in those moments uh, because Peter himself, even when he took his, Lord, his, his eyes off Jesus, he says, Lord, save me. He still turns and calls out to God, uh, which is um, a good a good reminder of what we should do even when we fail ourselves and take our eyes off Jesus. But ultimately, you know, we can see the, the beauty and peace and safety that we have when we keep our eyes on Jesus. And that's what we should, what we should strive for because that will get us through it. For sure. Definitely. Love it. All right. Well, I am out of uh, things to talk about here. So I'll leave you guys, if you have any closing thoughts, to, to get them in now. I do not. See? Um, I like the last verse. And, and, and they, like, worshipped him in the boat, saying, truly, mm-hmm. you are the son of God. Um, and just to remember, like, the God that can walk on water and calm the storms with the word is just is on our side and he's fighting for us and we can we go to him with our issues directly so that he may take them to our father in heaven and yeah just remember that's that's the power that we have access to and that's the power that loves us too so yeah what a beautiful way to end our discussion with that thought uh and with that i'll say a quick prayer and then we can wind things down on this episode of in the fire dear lord thank you for another episode here to discuss i thank you for our listeners i thank you for uh, your word that you've given us full of these stories these miracles and and the ministry of jesus and everything else that we see in the bible i pray that we'll take it put it to use in our daily lives that we'll continue to show faith and and steadfastness and hope in you and you alone and that will and goal for everything and and know that uh as just said that you are on our side even when the the waves rise and the storms get get rough that uh, you are always there and you're always looking out for us your name amen Amen. you know what's coming next peter let's let them know how they can get in touch with us (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Instagram is one way uh, we are at in the fire podcast all words letters exactly how it sounds spelled, it's spelled out exactly how it sounds in the fire podcast we put up a post when we when an episode goes live um, and we'd love to have some interaction with you guys so follow us there and then Thomas can they mail us 
email us if they want to. Oh, oh, they can email us. Let me tell you. It's three, the number three, in the fire at gmail.com. Again, the number three, in the fire at gmail.com. Get it? Because there are three of us. And the podcast name is in, in the fire, the fire. <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> once it, once so, it hits you, once it makes sense to you, you won't forget it. And you will have to email us. So please go ahead and do that. <laughs> Send us any topics. We're doing a series on miracles right now. Don't be afraid, though, to send us any topic you want us to cover. We can always take a quick detour, take a week off and discuss that. If you have a specific miracle you really like and you want us to talk about, send that our way and we'll do it. We want to respond to our listeners and give you what you want. Um, Yeah. So if you're listening, wherever you're listening, go ahead and give us that five-star rating. Uh, Anything less than that, we do not like. (laughs) (laughs) Give us those five stars and, uh, Go ahead and turn those notifications on for when a new, ep- new episode is out. Or follow us on uh, Instagram and we'll post when a new episode is out. Yeah. I, I will say, if you feel compelled to not give us a five-star rating for whatever odd reason, uh, then just don't rate us. <laughs> if you can't say something nice, don't say it at all. Exactly. I like that a lot. with with that note we'll go ahead and say goodbye until next week i hope everyone has a fantastic week ahead uh and this is uh, in the fire saying goodbye peace blowing out the candle